Welcome to the Freedom Chaser Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Meet Eric Yu. He's an ex-Facebook engineer turned full-time real estate agent and investor. And he's actually teaching people how to invest now too. This is a really exciting story. Um, Eric, let's just take us right into it. Like, what was your job like at Facebook? What led to you leaving? Just tell me the whole experience. Yeah, for sure, Tim. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, so I was, I was at Facebook for about four years. I worked there out of college and... I think for me the whole time, you know, the job was great, but it always felt like there was something else kind of missing in my life. And what I realized is I just, I didn't want to see myself working that same nine to five for the rest of my life. You know, could I see myself 30 years from now still doing the same thing? And the clear answer for me was no. So back in the, uh, back in the pandemic, I saw Facebook at the time. That's when I really started looking at real estate and understanding a lot more about house hacking and Airbnb. And so I picked up my first property around that time, got to see about two and a half grand, 3K of cash flow from that property. And that's when I realized, whoa, this is extremely scalable. It can be pretty passive. Let's double down on this. So picked up a couple more properties after that. And I quit my job after hitting about six to eight grand of cash flow a month. Because at that point, you know, I've got living expenses covered and could just focus on growing a business. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about Facebook, because I imagine when you got the job, it was kind of a dream come true, right? So like, how quickly did your thoughts change on that? And also, I mean, you mentioned you were making 400 grand, like that's no, that's no small amount of money. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, it's, um, it's so funny you mentioned that because it, it's true, right? Like my whole life, K through 12, college, all the stuff I was studying for was leading to this top of the mountain, which would have been working at big tech working at Facebook. And I definitely rode that high for, I'd say the first year, year and a half or so, where I was like, this is it. Like I've made it, you know, life is, life is great. Um, but you know, that, that fades away pretty quickly as well when you realize you're not actually living life how you want to. So what I'll say is the thing I learned quickly was no matter how much money I'm being paid, I think if I'm not taking and doing the daily actions I want to, I'm not going to be happy. So could have been 400K, 500K, 600K. I think it would have been the same outcome with me leaving eventually. Oh, dude, that is such a tremendous answer. So, I mean, there's a reason our show is called the Freedom Chasers Podcast, not like Bigger Pockets, for example, because we're far more focused on freedom um, than we are on financial incentives. Like finances are great, but I think if people focus more on what their number was. Um, a lot of people would find that they could live quite well off of like five grand a month. And that's not that hard to do with real estate. Like you could do that within a year. Most people, <laughs> if they were doing it strategically, yeah. um, you could get there way quicker than most people think. And, and like five grand a month is, I don't think it's quite the, the happiness number, but it's not far off. I think you don't have to be at like seven. Um, anyways. Yeah. I mean, I love what you said there. So you mentioned that there was a feeling um, you felt something was missing. Um, I love that because I think, Every entrepreneur feels that when they're at a W-2, they're just sitting there, even if they're doing extremely well, it's just like something is missing. Could you describe that feeling? Do you know what it was? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Hmm. Let me think about that for a second. When, so one of the things I noticed is when I was still working at the W-2, the, like the same repeat mundane day would happen a lot. I would have like similar actions, similar types of meetings, similar types of things I had to do day in, day out. 
And what I found is like, all right, we'll, we'll scratch that answer. I actually do need to think about this a little bit. It's hard to explain that feeling, you know, it's just, Oh, it is. It is. It, so yeah, you take as much time as you want, brother. It's a tough question. Yeah. Um, but I know exactly the feeling that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think most entrepreneurs have felt it. All right. I'm going to add a, I'm going to add a little bit more color into this story. So in terms of that feeling, um, you know how there's just like times in your life where, you know, your gut instincts are telling you this is the right thing to do. And then you've got times in your life where your gut instincts just like, whoa, like, hold off. You don't want to go down that path. Mm -hmm. I think for the longest time I bought into what everyone else was saying, what society was telling me, which is you, you know, you work zero to 18, you get your job and then you hit 65 and then you're done. Right. But my gut feeling was always telling me something else, except my brain kind of tricked me into thinking I was doing the right thing. So it was, it was, a. Uh, over the course of you know two, three years at Facebook, when I finally started realizing I was tricking myself and lying to myself that this was the right thing to do. And when I finally came to that realization, it was like, oh my gosh, I felt like I like woke up basically. Yeah, you articulated that much better than I would have. Um, I could relate exactly to what you said because um, you know I had a job too. It wasn't at Facebook, unfortunately, but I mean, you do what everybody tells you to do and then you're sitting there my biggest conflict, well, first off, I have a conflicting personality. I'm high D, like a lot of entrepreneurs. Like, hey, supervisor, you're not doing this right. You should do it this way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, that's good as long as you're a hard worker. A lot of people will kind of let that slide. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot of entrepreneurs do that. Like, oh, you're not doing this right. You should probably do it this way. Um, I think that's a sign that you're an entrepreneur if you're the type of person that does that all the time. Um, <laughs> if you're conflicting with your superiors often, um, you should probably start your own business. You know, and and to, to add something else, Tim, one of the uh, the blogs I was reading recently talked about where you know the nine to five came from and how America and like our education system right now teaches us how to become workers. It doesn't teach us how to become self thinkers, how to become entrepreneurs. And I think it makes sense, right? The system was built this way so you could have people that plug into the system. But once you like get out of it and you start to see things from the other side, it's just like, how did I, how did I get tricked into this for like 25 years, you know? Oh, dude, without question. I feel like the system is totally rigged for people that think freely. And it's amazing that like so many people don't like have you spoken to any of your friends just like, hey, you should probably try this entrepreneur game. It's kind of fun. It's amazing. You could do almost anything you want with enough effort. And like everybody is so tricked into the system that I could tell them like you follow these 10 steps and you will make a lot of money, I promise. And they're, they they lean to security still. It just blows my mind. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's the safety, right? Yeah. That, that fear of trying something different is just so much that they can't overcome it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you're so right about that. You know, I have one rule for my kids. I'm not going to tell them what to do with their lives, but I'm going to tell them one thing, like work for yourself or work for somebody that's been where you want to go. Like those are your only two mm. rules, like be an entrepreneur or if you're going to work for somebody, like I'd prefer that you do it for free and you just work for somebody that's been exactly where you want to be so that you could recreate it. Yeah, I love that. That makes sense. Cool, man. So let's open back up to your story. I'm sorry, we kind of got off track there. So um, I love your dissection of that feeling because like anybody out there that's feeling something like that, that gut instinct, but you're not quite doing the right thing, even though everybody's telling you you are, your gut is right. 
90% of the time, I feel like. like every time I've ignored my gut, I've regretted it, um, especially in rehabbing houses. You know, it's just like, I got a bad feeling oh about this. Oh I got a bad feeling about this one. Yeah. Yeah. I got kicked in the nuts on that one. I promise you that. Um, <laughs> so cool, Let's talk about the transition out of Facebook. Did you have a lot of fear? I mean, it sounds like you were pretty confident going through there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think there's always fear, right? And like, no matter what, even like taking on new projects now, trying new things, I still feel that fear, right? But then there's also the ability to acknowledge the fear and still do it anyway. And I think that's the important thing. So for me, when I when I left Facebook, definitely had the fear, had actually a pretty rough like first two months afterwards, because it's like, oh my gosh, like every single direction has just opened up in my life now. Should I focus on real estate? Should I like start a drop shipping company? Like any of these things were possible, right? Um, so that was that was my hardest thing, just trying to narrow down scope and narrow down focus. I think as entrepreneurs, we kind of think we can do anything, right? And the reality is we can, but we can't do everything. And for a long time, I just struggled because I was like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. But at some point I narrowed in and I realized, hey, real estate is a place I understand. It's a place where I can help other people. And I genuinely have fun doing it too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, focus is so important in the entrepreneur game because once you realize you can do everything, a lot of people try to do everything. And unfortunately, you can't do everything well. You have to focus on one thing. Picking real estate as a niche is a great niche because it's fairly deep, right? So <laughs> you could go in a lot of yeah. different directions there. So as you mentioned, you started as an investor. You got your agency license. Like, How did that evolve? Because obviously you were thinking of those two things. Like what made you choose real estate over dropshipping also is a question I have. Yeah, for sure. Um, so like I mentioned, while I was at Facebook, I already started my real estate investing journey. So I had already picked up uh, three Airbnbs by the time that I quit. So I had the operations uh, knowledge. I, I knew what you had to do to do Airbnbs. And for a while I started exploring dropshipping. I was like, oh man, I have to like rebuild all the context. This is totally doable, but why lean on something completely new when I've already got an advantage in another area? So I came back to real estate and what I realized was there's two ways I could go. I could keep expanding my own portfolio, which at the time when I quit, I had no idea how to raise other money, talk to people to get money. So I was like, geez, I'm going to be out of cash. I can't do this. And then the other option was, well, what if I help other people buy their first investment property and start building toward financial freedom, right? So I liked option two a little bit more, and that's how I got my agent license. And I've been helping people pick up their own properties too. Very cool. So you got your agent license with the intention to help people invest. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Very smart strategy. Because you know, like the first one is, is like the hardest one for most investors. It's just like, oh, once you get one, it's like, oh, it was that easy, huh? Um, so yeah. you were targeting first-time investors? Yeah, so funny enough, uh, when I when I quit Facebook, uh, at Facebook, they've got this like internal forum uh, called Workplace that you get to use to chat with people. There was a real estate investors group in there. And I posted you know, my whole journey and why I was leaving Facebook. I was like, hey, if you guys want to do the same, shoot me a message. And what's so funny is to this day, I still get like one or two messages a month from people that are just like, hey, man, saw your story at Facebook. Want to hear more about it? And my very first client that I closed a deal on came from that group as well. 
Oh, that's tremendous. So like, I'm a huge fan of Facebook group strategies. Um, I imagine having a post inside of the internal Facebook network is extremely valuable because I'm sure the average person is probably making over 150 grand there. So, I mean, yeah, that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a seed to just have there. I'm amazed they haven't. You know, <laughs> my only, yeah, I know. Right. My only regret is I didn't post more in there before I left. Honestly. Um, that is so cool because so you just have people that are kind of former colleagues. I'm sure you don't know most of them at this point, but they're going to have a warm relationship to you simply because you used to work there. Right. So it's just like, that's probably doesn't feel cold at all when you're communicating with them. Yeah. And I got to say having, so, you know, I, I've, I've left Facebook now, had a good time at the experience uh, and moved on, but having that brand name tied to me definitely provides credibility. And I found that when I'm talking to people, a lot of people have, you know, look me up on LinkedIn and they're like, oh, hey, I saw you used to do this. Why did you switch to real estate? And that's when the whole conversation opens. And that's when I start like taking them on the journey of like why this makes sense. So anyway, yeah, long story short, it's been really helpful having those warm leads. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that, that post will keep popping off for you. I mean, that's just a wonderful... <laughs> <laughs> like I teach people a lot of time, like you should be an authority in a niche. A great way to do so is to create a Facebook group and to funnel people in there, like doctors, for example, get doctors to invest, right? And just answer doctor questions and, and you become the doctor investor guy, right? But like you could be like the tech guy, um, like you help tech people retire <laughs> because they have a ton of money. It's actually not that hard to build a retirement plan for somebody making multiple six figures a year. It's just like, oh. Buy some property. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is so cool. So um, how has it evolved? So, I mean, you were targeting, was that the main strategy that you used to get your clientele on the buy side or were you doing anything else on top of that? So that was, uh, that was the like first starter strategy. And I, I honestly got a lot of book calls from there and in total converted three clients uh, from there. So that was great. Like, very warm leads, very ready, very active kinds of clients. Um, after that, I noticed that one of the most important things I kept doing was just posting on bigger pockets. So anytime um, in bigger pockets, you can set up keywords for cities, right? So I'd set up a keyword for Seattle, Bellevue, all the you know surrounding Seattle cities. And anytime a post had that word in it, I would be there and I'd respond. Now what this did was it made me seem like a domain expert in this city right away. And the more people saw me on these posts, the more they'd be like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. So I actually closed, I think, six deals from Bigger Pockets last year. Um, so that was a huge source of, uh, of income for me. And how long did it take for you to be posting consistently on Bigger Pockets before that led to actual cash in the bank? Yeah, when I started, I was doing five posts a day. Um, and I did that pretty consistently for about two months. And I'd say the first deal was month three. Um, I got to say, consistency is tough and I haven't been maintaining that five posts per day kind of thing, but that was just like a great testament to, hey, if you do this, you just keep doing it, you'll get the results that you want. Who gave you the idea for that strategy? I'm very curious. Or was that something you came yeah. up with? No, I have, um, so I've got a, a team lead. He, uh, his name's Craig Kurlop. He wrote the book about house hacking. So if you haven't read that book, you should definitely check it out, especially if you're a new to real estate, first time investor, great resource. Um, that's exactly the strategy he took to do 94 transactions in his first year. 
on the real estate agent side of things. So if you're, you know, in a market, you're getting started, you have investor knowledge, it's, it's just a fantastic way to get connected to people that are looking to get started. Absolutely. I've never heard of it on bigger pockets. Like that's basically authority marketing, essentially. So you could do the same thing with like a Facebook group. Like if you went to lab mm -hmm. coat agents and you just made 10 comments a day on people asking questions, it would have the same exact effect. Um, I would think it makes totally. much more sense to do it in bigger pockets, though, because that's an investor community and you're attracting investors who might buy more than one time instead of, you know, somebody that's. Yeah, I mean, that's really cool. Um, so authority marketing has gotten you a bunch of deals. Through Facebook and through Bigger Pockets, have you done anything else yeah. on the agency side, or is that I mean, is authority marketing the niche there? You know, I'd say authority marketing has been my big play because the other stuff I've done has been posting Instagram Reels and doing social media content, and same thing, um, same kind of stuff where I establish myself as an authority figure, and I think it's worked with uh, with a lot of clients. I haven't done your more traditional methods of cold calling and door knocking. Because the way that I was thinking about it is I want to make sure that my time scales. And what I love about the internet and social media is one post that I make, you know, takes maybe 10 minutes of my time. But then if it's a video, it can get watched 400 times. If it's a post, it can get referenced five years into the future. It's all these things where my time is fixed, but the impact is infinite. Yeah, I love where you're going. Um, I'm a tremendous fan of the strategy that you're utilizing right now um, because you're absolutely right. Those posts, like you'd be amazed too because people type very specific questions into Google all the time and they often type them with a location, right? So how do you do X in Seattle? And guess what comes up very often? A bigger pockets forum post that somebody made seven years ago comes up as the first post suggested by Google. So yeah, I mean, what you're doing when you're commenting, when you're doing authority marketing, you're creating assets that live forever. And if you're lucky, every once in a while, you'll find one that'll rank on Google and it'll get you some lead flow. And like when you're talking about Instagram reels and stuff like that, Facebook reels, like Facebook is even easier than Instagram. Like that just compounds. Um, even if you suck uh, on Instagram, you need to have a bit of a skill set. <laughs> you need to understand the hooks a little bit more. I'm getting into that game a little bit more now, but like Facebook, if you put a reel up there, if you do that consistently, you're going to grow an audience. Like it's just a matter of time. Yeah. So let's talk about your, your short form strategy. How does that look? Yeah. I started posting short form content back in August of last year. And uh, at the time it was just the advice I got from everyone was, Make as many videos as you can, post every day, and then you'll see results. Um, that might have been the case for Instagram in like 2021 when Reels came out, but I think the algorithm has changed a little bit since then. Um, and what I found is like, if I made videos that were bad quality, it wasn't going to get anywhere. And also if I didn't have a focus or a niche on my videos, what was the point of making them in the first place? So in terms of strategy, I honed in on a couple areas. You know, I did a lot of those talking head videos where it's like, hey, three tips or like three things I've learned, those kinds of videos. Um, I did a good number of like walkthrough videos showing like projects in progress or like the results I've had on some of my properties. And I'd say those were kind of the two segments that hit the most that worked the best. When you were getting into this, did you have any insight and in information on how these algorithms work? Because obviously Instagram's owned by Facebook. Yeah, I, uh, I worked on Instagram stories actually before I left and I knew a lot of engineers on the Reels team. That said, I still have no idea how the algorithm actually works. So can't help you out there, Tim. All good.
I mean, I figure half the engineers there don't know what it is at this point. It's like its own monster um, <laughs> that they keep layering on top of. Um, cool. That's awesome. Um, so I'm assuming you're, pay you're posting these reels on Facebook too. Are you throwing them up on TikTok as well? You know, I'm not posting them on Facebook. And now that you mention it, that's probably a missed opportunity for me there. So going to jump on that. Um, I did do posting on TikTok for a while, but what I found is, at least on Instagram, I had one way more uh, personal, like one-on-one kind of connections or conversations. TikTok, I would get a lot more random people, and I'd rather focus in on one spot, like Instagram and Facebook, um, where I was actually getting conversations coming in. That makes a lot of sense. So, like, it seems that the velocity of growth of TikTok, if you follow what they're looking for, is the fastest, but it also seems like it's the least engaged audience, right? So, I mean, velocity of growth of Facebook is easy because of friend requests. I mean, you could literally just cap out and then you just remove people that aren't engaging over time and add more people. It's the easiest thing in the world. Instagram has been a little bit more of a challenge, but, like, collaboration reels is just... Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you do a lot of collaboration reels. It doesn't really matter as long as you put follow for more real estate tips. Um, <laughs> like you just do a few of those and it's very, very easy. Um, so cool. Um, where was I going there? Yeah. So the conversations are far more unique. I'm amazed that you're not posting these on Facebook, by the way, because like you, first off, I would encourage you to do it separately. I've been told that it works better that way. And as I've been testing, that seems to be the case, actually. So like you could do it. So you have it set up. If you post a reel on Instagram, it posts automatically to Facebook. I found it mm. works a little bit better if you do it separately. And actually, like the one thing everybody says is don't have a Facebook business page. It's a total waste. It's a total waste unless you're making short form content. If you're making reels, fantastic place to put them because I don't know where they find people to watch them. But you could have nobody on your business page at all, but, but you'll get reels with thousands of views. And it's just like, oh, wow, this is cool. Um, it's just free advertising, man. Um, hmm. Authority marketing, like especially if it's local, it's tremendous stuff. Yeah, I'm going to have to check it out after our call today. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, if it's working on Instagram, it'll work on Facebook. Um, Instagram's a little yeah. bit harder. <laughs> Facebook's an older demographic, right? Um, cool, man. So let's get into what you're doing now. So... You built your agency business through authority marketing. I'm sure that's actually brought people interested in investing towards you too. So you're helping other people invest. You also have a unique strategy that you're doing in Seattle. Like let's bring it wherever Eric wants to take it next and we'll just take it from there. Sounds good. Yeah. So since I got started on the real estate, uh, real estate train full time, I was helping a lot of clients at first on the agent side of things. But then what I realized is like, there's actually a lot of opportunity to help coach people as well. People that you know might not be at the spot where they're ready to pick up real estate yet, but they still want to start building up the knowledge so they're ready to execute when time comes. So I started up my first uh, coaching program in December and got a lot of good feedback from that. And now I'm actually tweaking and building the program out more so that for the next cohorts and future incoming cohorts, it's just a high value add place where you get to be with the community, get to chat with me, and we can potentially even partner on deals together. Um, so that's one of the big things I'm working on right now. And then the second thing is where I'm investing, right? I think, like I mentioned earlier, I was doing a lot of Airbnb investing, but now I'm actually starting to look more at the flip and development side of things. So in Seattle specifically, there is a very unique opportunity right now because Seattle changed their zoning code in 2019, and it allows you to build 
um, accessory dwelling units, ADUs, in the backyards of single-family homes. But what's even crazier is you can not only build one ADU, you can build two ADUs. So what that means is previously there was one structure on the lot, now you've got three. Normally, this isn't going to be that much of a benefit because you still have to sell all three together. But Seattle made it so that you can actually condo each unit and sell them separately. So to give like a concrete example, what that means is you buy a single family house, build an ADU for 300K, that ADU is probably going to be worth 700K when you sell. So you build an instant 400K equity right there. That is absolutely tremendous. So they they literally let you condo it out. So it's like, okay, this is a condo now. So there's three separate condominiums, but they're single family detached kind of all on the same lot, correct? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that we're actually currently working on one of these projects ourselves. Um, permits are underway. The one like downside caveat is it takes a little bit of time, mm-hmm. right? You've got to go through the permits. You've got to get the build done and all in is probably going to be like a 12 to 14 month kind of project, but still 12 to 14 month project building 400K. I'd take that any day. Well, yeah, I mean, because I imagine it cash flows pretty well, too. So, I mean, you could take it as a flip, but you could probably burn it out, too, and just rinse and repeat. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, you could burn it out. You could hit that 1% rule here, too, in Seattle, right? You build it for 300K. You can rent it for, like, 32, 3300. So, it works. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could take the money up front, or you could... <laughs> keep that and and you know seattle's a place worth holding i would think um cool man so like what have you found thus far that has been most enjoyable about this journey because you're fairly new into it but i mean you're crushing it on several levels and i love how you've been able to find focus so quickly because that's a weakness most entrepreneurs have for like their whole career oh man tim I'm, i feel like i'm presenting myself in a great way right now but i, st- I still struggle so much with focus <laughs> like um the, the other day I was just talking about, I was like, man, there's so many of these like ADU DADU opportunities here in Seattle. I don't have capital. I didn't have investors that were ready to move, but I have clients that were looking at it, but they weren't ready to go because they were so fearful of it because they haven't done anything like this before. So I was like, maybe it's time for me to just start an investment fund. I'll collect together like all my tech clients, get them to all pool into this fund. And I was like, oh, but, but if I do this, then I'm going to detract focus from other areas. So to your point, Tim, I'm, I'm like, I'm still struggling with focus, but it's gotten better than compared to like a year ago, for sure. Um, where was I going with that? Um, yeah, so in terms of the most enjoyable part of the process so far, I think what I really enjoy and love about this job is it's a, I guess you can call it a job, but it's like a, it's a very like networking heavy kind of thing. You get to meet cool people, you get to talk to cool people, and you get to see where you can help each other along the way. And I think that's been very fun for me. I've always just enjoyed networking, meeting people, helping support each other and growing communities. So I've gotten to do a lot more of that with the real estate side of things compared to when I was in tech. And I think a lot of those things made me feel quite a bit more fulfilled than before. Absolutely, man. I think your syndication idea is a good one. But as you said, I would wait a little bit. Um, I would wait a little bit. But I, I mean, I think that's a really solid idea. I think you'd be able to build that up pretty quickly. But I would get some more experience simply because, you know, syndications are just a whole other animal. And you need to be very, very careful when you market them and things of that nature. And Totally. Um, yeah. That's something I'd rather partner with somebody that knows what they're doing already instead of learning the, the concept of who, not how. It's just a wonderful thing. You could skip 
you know, from step one to step 10, um, half the time, if you just find the right person. Um, I love that you said how you focus so much on networking, like just focusing on helping other people. Because again, like I talk to a lot of real estate agents and I just feel like people do not talk about networking enough on the agency side because everybody talks about it on the investing side. How many real estate investor meetups are there? There's probably 50 in Seattle, right? How many real estate agent meetups? Not so many. (laughs) So it's just like, why are we not getting together and helping each other like the investors are? I suppose it's because we're competing with each other, but there's no such thing. (laughs) There's just no such thing as scarcity because the investors are competing too, right? But there's just, there's no limitation of opportunity out there. You know, I want to add something on networking too, which I think has helped me grow a lot, which is networking through Facebook, networking through LinkedIn, networking through Instagram. I think a lot of people talk about in-person networking, and I think that's super important. But now we're living in an age where you can talk to, you know, maybe the top performing agent in Seattle just by going on their Instagram page and sending them a DM. And if they don't respond, send four more. Right? Like you could connect with these people that previously would have been so hard to reach, but most people aren't taking advantage of those opportunities. So for me, you know, I'm joining all the different Facebook groups. I'm seeing who's kind of like the thought leaders in there and I'm networking with them because they're the people that are going to up-level me and hopefully I can create some value for them too. Yeah, I love how you're leading with value from the very beginning. You're like, hopefully I could create some value for them too. So, I mean, your intention is to get value from them, but it's also to give value to them. So, I mean, you're going with the right mindset and you're absolutely right. You could get in touch with way more people than anybody realizes. <laughs> like, famous people sometimes answer their Instagram. Like you just have to be consistent. You need to stand out a little bit. Maybe send an audio message instead of just a regular old DM. Say, hey, I sent you an audio message on one of their comments. Maybe they'll listen. You know, I mean, it's it's consistency over time. You could get in touch with almost anybody. I feel like anybody that's not like an A-list celebrity, let's just say not a celebrity, but a niche celebrity, like somebody that's a celebrity in the real estate industry, like you could get w- within their realm within 90 days, like without question, if you tried, like any one of them, any one of them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing, right? Like we, we live in a world where it's so possible to do these things, but I don't think most people realize. Yeah, and even the, and the ones that do, they don't do it consistently enough, right? So they might send four messages to one guy and that guy didn't answer and like, oh no, this doesn't work. It's like, no, you need to send four messages to that guy a hundred times, a hundred different people, you're going to talk to at least 10 of them, probably 20% of them. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, it's cool, man. Um, what is your vision for the next 12 months or so? What are you guys working on building now? So I'm building one of those ADUs in my backyard. Like I said, we should break ground probably mid-April or so. So that's one of the big things. Um, Aside from that, I, I'm still operating, running my own Airbnbs, and then continue to help people invest into real estate. So those are my main focuses. Um, oh, sorry. Got to add, the coaching side is also a big focus. So I've been working on like retooling the program for the past two months now and uh, got it in a format that I think is pretty scalable and gives people like you know self-guided learning as well. So lots of things in the works and I'm, I'm pretty excited. I know people are pretty bearish just given how things are looking for the economy, what's been going on with like Silicon Valley Bank and everything else, but it's actually a pretty good time and opportunity if you're ready to like double down and execute on things. So 
if you need any inspiration, just come chat with me because I'll, I'll get you pumped too. Absolutely, dude. You're 100% right about that. There's no such thing as a bad market. A lot of people say that there's bad markets. There's there's bad things to do in certain markets, but I mean, there's a pivot that you can make in any market. There's there's money to be made no matter what, especially if you have your license. So I mean, there's, there's, if everything goes to hell, short sales and REOs are going to become a thing. So I mean, <laughs> there you and, go. And you also you you get the inside advantage on investing too. And guess what? You know, who keeps buying when the market goes down real estate investors. I mean, if you happen to be connected with real estate investors, it doesn't really matter where the market's going because they're going to see things at a discount. You know, Warren Buffett says, Hey, when everybody else is running away, that's when you buy. Um, that is the truth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> without question. It's cool, man. Eric, you, um, I love this question, especially with entrepreneurs, man, if you had a billion dollars and a hundred lifetimes full of cash flow, what would you do with your time? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I was actually listening to another podcast, the Rob Dial podcast, Mindset Mentor, where he asked the same question. So I just reflected on this about a week ago. Um, I think for me, there's a couple of very important values. One is family and spending enough time with family. So, you know, just being able to go on trips together with family, being able to go to like all the soccer games, all that fun stuff is super important to me. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is I'm big into tennis and golf. So I've got a healthy dose of that in my daily life as well. And then I'd say the last thing is, and this might sound cheesy, but I genuinely really like what I'm doing right now. So I think I'd keep doing the same stuff with real estate, keep helping people the same way because it's just been fun. Absolutely, dude. Um, I would say, man, like 80% of the entrepreneurs we talk to, they would say they're going to continue doing what they're doing, maybe at a lower level, not as much, <laughs> lower frequency, right? Or, you know, they're going to conquer some world problem. Right? It's like, oh, I got a billion dollars. I'm going to solve hunger. Um, <laughs> we tend to think a little true, bit differently. True. Um, it's like, oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, you could probably do that. Um, <laughs> Absolutely tremendous, man. So if anybody were listening and they wanted to reach out to you, it sounds like you got a lot, a lot of cool stuff going on. Your career is very young. It's super bright. Like, how would they get in touch with you? Yeah. Place where I'm most responsive is uh, Instagram. So at hello, Eric, you. And then aside from that, I uh, run a couple of groups out here in Seattle. So I've got a meetup in person once a month, third Thursdays, uh, which Tim, I'm sure you'll link there. And then I also have a Washington short-term and corporate rental Facebook group I run. So if you want more advice on that, you can uh, join that group as well. Absolutely tremendous stuff, man. Um, Eric Yu, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. I've been preaching this forever, but authority marketing is just something that realtors in particular need to lean into far, far more than they are. Let's stop doing stuff from the 80s, guys. I mean, that stuff still works. But the internet is a wide, wide, wide ocean for people that are actually looking for opportunities there. So go take action. Do so within the next seven days. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one.